0: When someone uses the phrase witch trials, most Americans immediately think of Salem, Massachusetts, a place that is today almost synonymous with those words. Although Salem is certainly the most famous American community to be beset by the mania of witchcraft, it was far from alone in its paranoia. Closer to the home studio of PreserveCast right here in Maryland, early European colonists believed they found evidence of the occult. Beginning as early as 1654, accusations of witchcraft and sorcery plagued the colony. First, some context about witchcraft and the occult. By the time European colonists arrived in North America, accusations of witchcraft, trials, and executions had largely begun to disappear across Europe. But it had not always been that way. In fact, like many American trends, the belief in witches got its start in Europe. Where the scale and numbers of those accused and executed far eclipse our American version of the story. Some sources suggest that between the years 1500 and 1660, thousands of witches were tried and put to death across Europe. This stark reality and the beginning of the hunt for these suspected witches was largely set off by the publication in 1486 of Malleus Maleficarum, or the Hammer of the Witches. This guidebook to witchcraft, written by German Catholic cleric Heinrich Kramer, was the first to directly link sorcery to heresy and explained that torture and death were the only ways to put an end to the evil inherent in witchcraft. Although the book was heavily criticized by other clerics of the period, it became popular in both religious and secular circles and was revived on several occasions giving both justification and direction to rooting out witchcraft. The rise of the Age of Enlightenment and a growing interest in science and the scientific method slowly reduced European interest and belief in witchcraft, and by the late 17th century, it had become far less prevalent on the continent. However, in North America, the concern about sorcery continued well after European communities moved on, fueled in part by a new publication – Seducimus Triumphatus, which is believed to have captured the imagination and mind of one Cotton Mather, the titular theological leader of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. It was Mather who would go on to play a prominent role in the Salem witch trials, fueled by the evidence produced and provided in Seducimus Triumphatus. Notably, the book also contains one of the earliest poltergeist stories and reference to a witch bottle. A talisman designed to protect Christians from sorcery and demonic spells. Contemporaneous to Mather's slow descent into paranoia, some 400 miles south in the colony of Maryland, another battle was brewing. Established in the late 1630s, the Maryland colony was unique in its religious toleration and served as a de facto safe haven for Catholics. The landmark Maryland Toleration Act of 1649 was the first in North America to establish any degree of religious liberty. However, throughout the 17th century, Protestant immigration to the colony began to eclipse Catholic settlement. This change in demographics resulted in a Protestant revolution in the summer of 1689, which reversed the Toleration Act of just 48 years prior and outlawed Catholicism in both the public sphere and forbade Catholics from holding public office. In this season of religious discontent, Maryland also experienced a period of paranoia over witches in their midst. In June of 1654, the first documented case of purported witchcraft was recorded in the annals of the colony, when ship Charity of London arrived in port at St. Mary's City in southern Maryland. Upon arrival, it was announced that Mary Lee, a passenger on board, had been executed three weeks prior to arriving in North America. Her crime? Witchcraft. The harrowing account of her death is unusually well detailed for the period, thanks in part to depositions which remain of John Bosworth, captain of the Charity of London, and Francis Darby, a gentleman who was a passenger on board the ship. According to these depositions, while at sea, several violent storms struck the ship. Father Francis Fitzherbert, a Jesuit traveling to Maryland aboard the charity, recalled the sailors' reason that the storms was not on account of the violence of the ship or atmosphere, but the malevolence of the witches. The sailors and passengers agreed that Mary Lee was the witch and the source of their misfortunes. Captain Bosworth resisted tryingly, but eventually relented. Lee? Lee? Reportedly admitted to being a witch, but Bosworth, the captain, did not wish to execute her. It was then that terror took hold, with the ship's crew taking Lee prisoner and searching her body for the supposed mark of the witch. Satisfied in believing that they had found such a mark, the sailors took justice into their own hands and hanged Mary Lee. Then in 1657, yet another woman was executed on board ship prior to her arrival. Elizabeth Richardson was on board the ship, the Sarah Arch, and was accused of being a sea witch. With supposedly sufficient evidence provided, Captain John Green ordered his crew to execute the witch. The sailors went about, unquote, fashioning a hangman's noose, slipped it around her neck, and dropped her from the yardarm, end quote. In a strange twist of fate, Richardson's trip was paid for by Colonel John Washington, great-grandfather of George Washington, who protested the execution but was unavailable for the trial to prosecute the ship's owner, who, as a result, did not face any consequences. It was not until 1674 that the first true witchcraft conviction in the colony of Maryland occurred in court with the trial of John Cowman. Cowman was convicted under the statute of James I for, unquote, Witchcraft, conjuration, sorcery, or enchantment upon the body of Elizabeth Goodale, quote, and was therefore sentenced to be hung. Fortunately for Cowman, the lower house of the Maryland General Assembly interceded on his behalf and granted him clemency and reprieve of his execution. Then in 1685, one of the most infamous cases of witchcraft was brought before the Prince George's County Court. Rebecca Fowler, who is believed to have been an indentured servant, was brought to the colony in 1656 under the name Rebecca Logan. During her first years in the colony, Rebecca labored on the farm of George Collins, a shoemaker and tobacco farmer. Following her servitude, she married a fellow laborer from the Collins plantation, John Fowler. Together they made a life on a small parcel of land they purchased and named Fowler's Delight. During that period of her life, Rebecca took on several indentured servants of her own, one of whom would go on to accuse her of witchcraft and lead to her untimely demise. Francis Sansbury, indentured to the Fowlers, along with several unnamed witnesses, made the startling accusation of witchcraft against Rebecca. In August of 1685, the court found her guilty of, unquote, having not the fear of God before her eyes, but being led by the instigation of the devil, certain evil, and diabolical arts called witchcrafts, enchantments, charms, and sorceries, wickedly, devilishly, and feloniously at Mount Calvert and several other places did use, practice, and exercise in and upon and against one Francis Sansbury and several others, and their bodies were very much the worse, consumed, pinned, and lamed. As a result of her crimes, the judge ordered Rebecca Fowler to be unquote, hanged by the neck until dead. End quote. On October 9th, 1685, on a small hillock in Saint Mary's City, Rebecca Fowler was executed. Her execution bears the grim distinction of being Maryland's only documented and legally ordained execution for witchcraft. There were, however, many more accused of witchcraft, and in some cases, extrajudicial justice was apparently carried out. References exist in some early colonial records that suggest an unnamed woman had also been hanged as a witch, and two others were tried and acquitted of witchcraft though their records and their names no longer exist. Their true identities and crimes lost to the sands of time. Other records, however, do remain and document those who were accused and acquitted of the crime. In 1686, just a year after Fowler's execution, Hannah Edwards was brought before the court of St. Mary's County for the crime of witchcraft. The court, in its typically lofty language, accused Edwards of, unquote, having not the fear of God before her eyes, but being led by the instigation of the devil, certain evil and diabolical arts called witchcrafts, enchantments, charms, and sorceries, wickedly, devilishly, and feloniously at Mount Calvert 100 and several other places in Calvert County, aforesaid said of her malice, forethought feloniously, did use, practice, and exercise in, upon, and against One Ruth Hutchinson. As in many cases, the accusation of witchcraft appears to have been the result of a disagreement between two individuals, with one falling ill or having some tragedy beset them, and therefore it was believed witchcraft must be at play. Fortunately, Hannah Edwards did not meet the same fate as Fowler's just a year prior and was found not guilty by the jury. One of the more legendary cases of witchcraft, albeit with very hazy details, is the case of one Mall Dyer. To this day, the name summons visions of conjuring and sorcery in her native St. Mary's County. It was there, according to legend, in the 1690s near Leonardtown that a plague, perhaps influenza, tormented the local population. The illness, along with a strange ice storm, was believed to have been the work of a witch. Mall Dyer... An older woman who lived on the edge of town was the focus of their concern and ultimately rage. A mob supposedly formed, chased Maul from her home and sent her running to the woods. The legend continues with Dyer laying down beside a boulder in the woods that evening, fearful for her life and expecting to die of exposure. It was then that she placed her right hand upon the large rock and then raised her left hand to the moon, and called down a curse on the people of Leonardtown. According to the legend, her spirit is also said to still haunt the woods which surround Leonardtown. It's also claimed that her handprint can still occasionally be seen on the Mall Dyer Rock, which now sits in front of the Tudor Hall Mansion in Leonardtown. Tudor Hall, which today serves as the headquarters of the St. Mary's County Historical Society, incidentally, is also the home of Philip Scott Key, uncle of... Francis Scott Key of Star-Spangled Banner fame. Connecting past to present, it's also believed that Maul Dyer was largely the inspiration for the 1999 film The Blair Witch Project. Although purely fiction, The Blair Witch may go down as one of Maryland's most famous and iconic witch stories. Filmed in Seneca Creek State Park in Montgomery County, Maryland, the film is depicted as having taken place in Burkittsville, a small village on the western edge of Frederick County, Maryland. According to Ben Rock, the man who assisted in drafting the backstory for producers, he took inspiration from the real Maryland legend of Moll Dyer. Today, Blair Witch believers still descend on the tiny rural hamlet of Burkittsville, eager to catch a glimpse of the fictional witch. Burkittsville's actual history and connection to the Battle of South Mountain is equally, if not more, fascinating and worth a visit to explore further. Those who thronged to Burkittsville, though well-meaning, would probably be better suited to head to a place like St. Mary's City, where the real story of Maryland's witchcraft hysteria unfolded with dreadful consequences. At this time of the year, as we look for opportunities to get the good shivers, we'd be wise to balance the frightening tales of witchcraft with the harsh reality of the lives ended by the hysteria, and the lesson in that story, that well-meaning people can make strange decisions driven by fear of the unknown. Perhaps the story of witchcraft fascinates us, because in each of us there is a fear of the supernatural, and we wonder, if only subconsciously, if we too could fall for an equally absurd fallacy. Do we have a blind spot equal to that of our ancestors? These questions are not easily answered nor often asked, but as darkness descends this eerie October and you cast your mind back to the witches of Maryland and beyond. Perhaps you'll think of them, and in doing so, use the power of the past to help you understand your own life, mortality, fears, decisions, and yes, even perhaps a bit of sorcery. For Cast, I'm Nick Redding. Happy Halloween.